smiling when you're smiling the whole world it smiles with you when you're laughing welcome to mondays with millie a podcast about the past with real relevance to the present day i'm your host phil christofaro and in this podcast series i interview my 89 year old mother-in-law doreen who i affectionately call millie about her ordinary life and the extraordinary events which influenced it. Millie has witnessed firsthand some incredible things across 10 decades. This is a personal history which gives us some perspective about life's triumphs and challenges. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, smiling, the whole world, it smiles with you. In episode two, Millie goes to work for a chemist with a drinking problem and begins to expand her social circle. After the war, young people were restless and a steady stream of young men were off to live in Canada. Religion was a talking point in relationships and Millie faced some sliding door moments. Please enjoy season two, episode two of Mondays with Millie. growing up and or, or moving to Blackpool and going to school in Blackpool, did you get to enjoy the um, arcades or anything like that as children? Well, my father didn't like us going to arcades, um, but we were allowed to go to the fun house in at the Pleasure Beach. So we'd spend Saturday afternoon in the fun house. It was ninepence to go in the fun house then. And you could spend all afternoon there. Um, there were lots of things, big rolling barrels and uh, these um, rickety uh, platforms to stand on, all sorts of silly things like that, you know. You usually came away with some kind of burn on your arm where, you know, friction burn or something. <laughs> were there rides? Oh, yes, yes. There were, but you had to pay for the rides that were outside. It was only the the, the things in the fun house. It was a very large place, and hundreds of people used to go. You know, you'd meet more or less everybody you knew there. But, but looking back, um, I'm thinking about Dunkirk. Is that all right? Am I going off track? No, no, no. You can, you're fine. Well, we it was the British Expeditionary Force. I think we called it. And um, we were aware that, you see, I think we all thought, this war isn't going to last very long. We're already in uh, France, you know, already. And it was it was really kept from the public how serious it was. And it was, and even when they were rescuing, going to rescue them, all the little boats, had all been summoned. Every single person that had a a, a boat with a motor was was asked to congregate there and go over. You know, 
It really was an absolute uh, amazing, absolutely amazing thing to happen uh, when they think how many people were rescued. But we didn't know about that until it was happening, you know. How did was, you find out about it? You, you did get news at night on the radio. And uh, they were, oh, they were on about rescuing. Yes, rescuing. But they did, they did keep a, a lot of it, you know. Of course, the people down south, uh, where all these little boats were arriving, they, they knew what was happening. They didn't know until the time, but they, they, there were all these soldiers coming back, you know. And the, the Blackpool Regiment was there. Uh, they were one of the first to be called up because they had a, a quite a large territorial group, you know, uh, and uh, the territorials were in on day one. So they were all at Dunkirk and quite a lot of them were killed. And um, then after, not soon after that, well, it seemed to be soon after that, I, I can't recollect the the time really, but they all went out to um, Singapore, and they were taken prisoner. They were a, a lot of them were killed, of course. Uh, so there were a lot of pr Japanese prisoners from Blackpool and the area surrounding area, and it was called the Blackpool Regiment. Mm. Yeah, and decimated as well. Absolutely. Let's fast forward a little bit to your your job in the chemist. So, oh, yeah. right. So you you left the dress shop. You went to work in the chemist. You were eighteen. Uh, seventeen then. Seventeen and a half. Yeah. Because I should have just been starting um, my training as a nurse at seventeen and a half. Mm. But um, I quite liked it. I was a dispensing assistant and I worked for this guy called Rupert. But the business was owned by his mother-in-law and she was a tartar. She really was. It had been her husband's business, you see. So her daughter, who was also a chemist, uh, and Rupert ran the shop. But then Mary, the daughter, had a baby. So then there was just Rupert and me. And uh, I was I was quite happy there, really. But uh, Mrs. Mrs. Thompson and Rupert fell out, and because she really was always interfering, so he decided he'd go and work for someone else. So she got this retired chemist to come and work there, and he had a drinking problem, which I don't think she was aware of. And he used to take two-hour lunches but we didn't close for lunch. So he left me in the shop and he used to say, and people would, there was a doctor's surgery opposite. So we got lots of prescriptions to do. And he'd, he'd look at it and he'd say, well, that's pills, you can, you can do that. Well, I wasn't qualified to do that. I mean, Rupert used to let me do his pills, but he always checked everything scrupulously afterwards, you know. And he didn't do that, you see. And I got rather worried. I thought I, I talked to my dad, and he said, um, "No, no, you can't do that. You could, you could, you have an accident. You could do something that you would be responsible for." 
he said, you, 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 you mustn't do that. So um, I decided to leave, uh, which I was quite sad to do, really. But I did tell Rupert what was going on, and he said, well, I'm sorry, but that's not my problem. He said, she, you know, Mrs. Thompson's caused the problem, and it's, it's her responsibility. So, so I left. How long had and you was, been working there? Uh, I was there almost two years. Mm. So you, by the time you've turned 19, you're yes. moving off to something else. Yes. And I'm, I'm guessing it was pretty normal for people your age at that time to just move from job to job. If you didn't like oh, something, yes. you'd move. It was, easy, as you said earlier, it's easy to get a job. It was very easy to get work, yes. So what did you do? I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do then. And I was still thinking about nursing, but no, I couldn't really take a risk on that. So... There was a job going, and it was a manageress's job of a firm of dry cleaners. And they were specialist cleaners. You know, they used to clean all these lovely evening gowns and things like that. Uh, so um, I got the job. And I was there until after I was married and, and when I actually finished work because I was expecting Paul. So I was there a couple of years. Mm. When did you get married? You, how old were you? I was ni- I was nineteen. I was nearly twenty when I got married. Which was a pretty normal age to get married. Oh yes, mm-hmm. but um, it was on the rebound. That's an awful thing to say. Very stupid thing to do, but it was on the rebound. For you, I mean, I knew it for me because I had a good friend who was called Francis Peters. His his family had a, a good business it was a they made window blinds and shop blinds things like that he was the youngest of four brothers and they all worked in the business and um francis was a very good dancer we we once went to a learn ballroom dancing at this dancing school that's how i met him but he he never took me out uh and i didn't realize till years later that he was gay uh, you didn't think about things like that in those days. And, uh, well, I didn't anyway. And he was nice looking and he was a good dancer and we were good friends. So anyway, he, I'd sometimes meet him in the winter gardens dancing and we'd have a dance and he always walked me home. Uh, he was quite a gentleman. Never attempted to kiss me, of course, you know. And um, he said to me, um, next weekend a friend of mine is, he works away, but he's coming home, he said. Um, I'd like you to meet him. So I said, uh, what for? <laughs> he said, well, I just think the two of you would get on well together. Anyway, the following weekend, of course, he introduced me to, to Alfie, Alfie Owens. Alfie was good-looking. He'd been an officer in the Navy. He was seven years older than me. Been an officer in the Navy. Uh, he went to university. And um, he did. He interrupted his university thing, his final year to go in the Navy, you know. Um, and he'd got a very good job. He worked for Ferries Aviation in London. 
and he was a stress engineer. And he came home on Friday and went back very early on Monday morning. So for the next few months, um, we were a couple, you know, we hit it off. And then he asked me to get engaged. And he said, think about it. I'll be home next weekend. You can tell me. So because I was a bit hesitant, you know. So you see, he was Roman Catholic and he was very religious. Anyway, his parents were very nice and they they knew I wasn't Catholic, but they didn't, you know, they didn't give any. Um, they made me very welcome. So. The following weekend, it was just before Christmas, and he came home and he said, what's the answer? So I said, well, the answer's yes. He went, oh, great. Well, can we be married in four weeks? And I went, no, no, certainly not. I mean, people would have thought it was a rush job, you know. You didn't, you didn't do that. I mean, the six-month engagement was quite normal then. So... Um, I said, no, I can't do that. He said, well, I didn't want to tell you before, but he said, I've been offered a really good job in Canada. Well, my heart sank because everybody seemed to be going to Canada in those days, you know. And um, I think young people were very restless, you see. Uh, anyway, I, I said, no, I'm not going to Canada. So, of course, he said, well... If you loved me, you'd come to Canada. And I said, well, I don't want to leave my dad. And that was it. And his mother came to see me and tried to talk me around. But she thought it was the religion that was putting me off. And I said, no, no, it's not that at all. So, so that was that. So I was a bit fed up after that for a while. And then Francis introduced me to someone else. And that happened to be Bob, Robert Chapman, who I married. <laughs> so that was that. What was, half a step back, was religion a big factor in people getting together? What well, was it, it would like? for a lot of people. Mm. It would for, I mean, years after talking to Tom, you know, my friend Tom, um, he didn't marry a girl he wanted to marry because... She was Church of England, he was Catholic, and he thought it, it would upset his mother too much. But um, Alfie's mother was really nice. Uh, and I talked to my dad about it uh, in that week when I was thinking things over. And he said, look, you don't go to church. Although I did used to go with Alfie on a Saturday night and sit at the back while he went to confession. <laughs> because he had to do that on Saturdays before we went out. He'd go to confession and then we'd go across the road to Johnny for French's bar. For French because it was two F's, double F, R-E-N-C-H. And um, he had this white grand piano and he used to play um, whatever you wanted him to play, he would play for you. And it was a cocktail bar, it was very nice. So straight from the... Straight from confession into the bar, you know. <laughs> yeah. With two or three of his friends there as well. At one point, I'm sat on the back pew with three boys queuing up to go to confession. And we all waited for each other. 
and then we'd all troop across to Johnny for French's bar. <laughs> Just enough to clear the slate, get and and to go and you know. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember one Saturday he was in there for quite a while, and um, I was getting annoyed, and the boys were teasing me and said, "Oh, wonder what he's been up to this week," you know. And. Uh, and anyway, when we were on our own, I just said, uh, that was a long confession. <laughs> and he said, we were talking about you. <laughs> he was telling the priest about me, I suppose, that I wasn't Catholic and all the rest of it, you know. <laughs> and, that, and, and who knows how guilty he would have felt after that. It would probably would have made it worse, you know. Yeah. Well, well. Well, my father said, look, you don't go to church and it's a big part of his life. So if it means you becoming a convert, that's up to you. It won't upset me for one one minute, not for one minute. So there was no problem there, you know. Not with my family. <laughs> so you were quite down and then you met Bob. I met Bob, yes, and, and was he a, was... That was a little <coughs> whirlwind, was it? It was. Well, he was, it, he only lived around the corner from where I lived, you see. His father was horrible. He was really horrible. His mother had died when he was 16. He was the youngest boy in the family, four boys and two girls. So he had a younger sister, and all the others were grown up and they'd more or less left home. Apart from his brother Eric, he was the next one up from Bob, and he'd been torpedoed twice. Um, he was very nice, Eric, very quiet though. He was torpedoed in the Atlantic. He was on. Um, uh, he wasn't in. The, he was on the, in the merchant navy, and his ship was torpedoed in the Atlantic, and then a year later, they were torpedoed in the Indian Ocean with the Japs. And that was a very different story. He he said, he said the German U-boat came up and sort of scanned them to see what was happening, and actually wished them luck, good luck, and that was it. But the Japs they machine gunned them, yeah. So quite a quite a lot of them died. There were, he said there were two lifeboats, and uh, he was lucky. And there were only three of them were alive when they were picked up. So he lost all his hair, bald as a coot he was, which was very unusual in those days. He didn't shave your head in those days, you see. And uh, he worked for his father. His father was a had his own barber's shop. So Eric worked for his father. And eventually even he went to Canada. Yes. Everyone was going to Canada. You got you got to the stage where if you were dancing in the Winter Gardens and a boy came and asked you to dance and then perhaps said, um, um, shall I walk you home? You say, are you going to Canada? You know? <laughs> and if he said yes, you say, well, no, he can't. <laughs> it became a thing. The girls were getting very fed up. Mm. So what, why yeah. were they all going to Canada? Was it just that, uh, considered to be a... An attractive well, place to go. Wait, well, yes, I think, I think they were, um, not. I don't know. Sort of. Well, my brother was a bit the same. Well, he he didn't 
want to go to Canada because he'd been a civil servant before he went to do his national service. And when he came home, he definitely wasn't going to go back and do that. And he finished up going to an agricultural college. Uh, he decided he'd go into farming for some reason. Anyway, he soon changed his mind. Once, once he'd finished at the college and then he went out onto working on the farms with farmers, he decided, no, that wasn't the life for him. So he finished up going to work in the laboratories at the ICI. And he got a good job there. But uh, I think boys were just, uh, I don't know, I think they were just, they'd all been to different places all over the world, you know. Uh, Terry, my brother Terry, his friend was in India for quite a long time. And, uh, you know, I don't know, they just, he, he went he went back to work though, he was a solicitor's clerk. So he went he went back to work for Basil Woosen, our solicitor. He was quite happy to do that, but a lot of them weren't, you know. There just seemed to be a lot of disruption at the time. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world, it smiles with you. And that brings us to the end of episode two, season two, of Mondays with Millie. In the next episode, Millie gets married and starts a family. Life goes on as normal, but not for long. There's a storm brewing, and it's going to have a dramatic impact on everyone. We look forward to your company again next week on Mondays with Millie. The whole world smiles with you. smiles with you Mondays with Millie is an e-learn production, editing and dodgy guitar work by yours truly, Phil Cristofaro, vocal work by Millie's granddaughter, Neve. Smile.